That's why you listen to J-R-A. They teach you the way, and they can explain why. Brought to you by Maple Syrup Flavored Dillard. Hello and welcome to the 28th episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio for the year 2018. Tonight, we are going to have a show that is brought to you by a burlap sack that irritated things. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Uh, we have an action-packed bicycle release-related filled uh, blah, blah, blah show. Um, lots of stuff been going on. Um, so I will just launch in and say we don't have any lists or donations. Ben has been pretty busy. Let's go. So lots of stuff happened this week. Um, I worked at the shop a good bit. I rode the Rocky Mountain Instinct BC90 a good bit this week. It was a hoot. The bike has been, as I get more and more used to that bike, the bike is better uh, for sure. It is showing itself to be fun to have a bike that's that big. I think the the most impressive part of that bike is just having a lot of brakes. Um, a lot of brakes are great. I have four piston brakes with 200 millimeter rotors on both wheels and I can stop. I don't really know how else to describe it, but like I don't break my finger usage is very low and my braking power is very high. I I don't know. Like it seems so like eh, that's not a big deal, but like, gosh, it's just so easy to go so fast and then just be like, I want to stop. And like you barely pull the brakes and you're like, I'm stopping. And like you want to slow down, you just like kind of pull them and you want to like scrub a tiny bit of speed and you just like think about pulling them. It's great. They're really cool. That's kind of all that I have to say about bikes and riding. Uh, I did go to a, a Yeti dealer event this week, which was a really neat thing to do. With anything, of course, I have certain things that I would always critique, um, but the event was ran really well. There was only like one small nitpicky thing. Um, there's a few people that gave lots of great information, but I didn't know what their role was. Uh, that's like minute. Um, they were all very smart people. They told us lots of really cool things and they told us why their things are good things. And they actually were super nice and were like, Hey, I'm glad that you guys are partners. Um, that was really fun. And then we got to ride bikes and have beers and eat burgers. And that was also really cool. So I got to ride the new Yeti SB 150, which how many days was the event? It one. Okay. So it was just like drive up, go to the event, drive home, go to bed it was pretty simple i didn't know if it was one of the multi-day because you know they're actually it's almost like an interbike thing it's like work and it's kind of exhausting and you gotta like it's like school you gotta take a bunch of notes you hear a bunch of people like some people are good some people are bad like it's semi-painful it's cool it's informative but like it's not as easy and laid back as you think and like you get on a bus at like 7 a.m and like you're got scheduled stuff to do all day, every day for three days. And yeah, that's been my experience with Cannondale and Specialized. Nope. And it was cool. Like I enjoy them, but it's like, damn, it's a, it's a No, lot. Yeti is very much not that. You meet at their, their office, you ride from their office, everything happens at their office. Um, it's super, super laid back from that respect. And it's like, hey, all the clothing is over here. Um, if you want to hear about the clothing, get with your inside rep and he'll take you into the room. Like it's a conference room that has clothes in it. And yeah. they're like, go in the room and you can hear about the clothes. Like it's, it's super laid back. 
Um, but I got to ride the new 150. And as much as someone's going to trove up some old stuff and say, oh, you said their old bikes are junk. The old bikes broke a lot. And well, these might break a lot, too, and make a lot of noise. We don't know yet. No, but I'll just say the old bikes broke a lot. Um, what's really different about the new bikes is they've made the new bikes much more progressive. So what that means is there's better small bump compliance, which is great. That's something I thought the bikes always lacked. And that's not just marketing spiel and me like riding the tribe teat. That's like actual, like always thought the bike was pretty harsh. Um, and I always said to myself, if I'm going to carry around this much suspension, I at least want to be comfortable on the little stuff. And they fixed that with the new 150 for sure. They've made it much more progressive. And then the previous, you know, counterpart bike that's now gone, the five, five and the, the bike just all in all is like, it pedals really well. It has a steep seat tube angle. The spec on it was pretty good. The t- the reach is really long. Everything that I could look for in a bike, I'm I'm kind of believe it or not, like even though I'm only six two, like an extra large. I need every millimeter of reach that I can get on those bikes. And some XLs are just not even in the ballpark of being long enough for me. So it was really cool. I like the bike. Um, it pedaled really well. We went out and rode some stuff that I haven't gotten to ride in a while. The the combo crew, the Colorado Mountain Bike Association crew, they've done a really good job of making Dakota Ridge a, a better, more enjoyable ride. You, Someone's going to say that they ruined parts by making it a little easier, but like they've done a small amount of work to one section and I cleaned something I've never cleaned before, but like I was still drooling on myself to do it. It was just actually possible now. It didn't take like... 17 trials moves and like the hand of god to get it done um and um you know i uh i i did that and i rode the bikes i rode that oh i kind of got lost combo they've done a great job on dakota ridge they're they're building cool stuff um so good on them and it was really cool to ride the new bike uh it was orange i well now that you don't live in tennessee that's not a big deal i actually said that to them um and I can say that the bike looks really good in person. They have a, one of the SB130s is available in Spruce, which looks really cool in person. It, it's just they're, they're doing exactly what I've asked other companies to do or been critical of other companies of not doing. Is They're, they're making some colors that are kind of cool. They're doing stuff a little differently. Um, and I'll go as far as to say the 2018 or 2019 clothes look really nice too. So I think they've done a, a banging job and I think they're going to have no trouble keeping these bikes out of stock. Like I think the bikes are, are going to be sold out. Like I don't, <clears throat> don't know how else to put it. Like I don't know if they're going to be able to keep the bikes in stock and I'm not praising myself and our show and mountain bike radio as a whole here, but like when people, like every, pink bikes never ridden a bike they hated. Like I, there's no nice way to say that. And same with bike rumor. They've never been critical of anything in the world. Not that I can like recall and not with any consistency that makes it believable. So as more and more average Joe's ride the bike and say, wow, this was really nice. This is really cool. Like it, it is going to be a very popular bike, both the, the one thirty and the one fifty, And then, I don't really care about the SB five and the SB six. Those bikes have been running for a while. They've done some incremental changes for the new season. And honestly, uh, the new bikes are so good. I can't imagine riding those. And again, 27, five, not my gig. So that's, 
I don't know, kind of rambling for 10 minutes now about Yeti and an instinct BC from Rocky mountain, but that's, that's the reality. That's my week. Um, the, those big bikes are fun. They're really fast, but God, they are super. And, and this is something I actually talked with our inside guy about. Um, like I'm really, and I'll never be tired of it. I'm tired of hearing doesn't climb. Like it has 150 millimeters of travel. Um, I think the realistic and mature way that we need to start talking about this is the new Yeti SB 150 redefines what a 150 millimeter bike can climb like the 130 will redefine what a 130 mil bike can climb like it doesn't climb like it doesn't have 130 because let's face it still doesn't go uphill like an SB 100 it still doesn't go uphill like a top fuel it still doesn't go uphill like a less definitely doesn't go uphill like a cross bike on pavement which doesn't go uphill like a road bike on pavement which you know where I'm going is like, we need to stop this. Like, Oh, it doesn't climb like 150. No, it doesn't climb like 150 from eight years ago when everything was trash. Sorry. It doesn't ride like a stinky. Is that a Kona, <laughs> a Kona stinky? Like that. Yeah. That's like, that's the quintessential heavy clapped out kind of piece of shit. Park bike. <laughs> you got it. There, like, you know, I've never ridden. I've never seen a stinky. That's not a piece of shit. <laughs> it's not a dig on a stinky. I think it's just cause it was a cheaper bike and, all the damn that was lift like places bottom. One of the first like big dumb smash machines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one thing I wanted to kind of bring up because it's interesting is our job is going to get more difficult because there's a lot of really good bikes now. Like it, bikes are getting better, which is great. Uh, but it's harder <laughs> if we're going to be honest with ourselves. It gets harder because they're all pretty damn good. So it's hard for us to be dicks. So we need to work on that. <laughs> so here's the here's the thing, though. Like, this is something that I said. Like, I was asked, like, what do you think of the new SP5? And the changes for the SP5, they've changed it from a, a Fox 34 to a Fox 36 spec bike. And I'm like, great. All this does for us is it delineates the product from another bike we sell by a good margin. Like, the other bike is a Fox 34, 130 travel, 115 in the rear. The SB5 has always been 150, 130, so customers want to ride them back to back. But now that it has a 36, it solidifies that as, okay, the 5 is for the customer that wants to like smash downhill. This other bike is for the customer that wants to smash uphill and still kind of rage downhill. What's the rear travel on the SB5? 127. Okay. Because it ain't 130, it's 127. <laughs> Can you go over, I'm just ignorant when it comes to Yeti stuff, other than maybe the new SB100? Um, what are the rough specs on like the 29 bikes, the 27, five bikes? Okay. You just want to do a quick, quick rundown. So 2019, uh, starting with, uh, SB five. So starting with 27, five bikes, the SB five plus no longer exists. They're doing, they've updated the rear end of the SB five to accommodate a 2.8 tire. So what does SB five mean? Uh, five inch. Okay. So I, if I had to guess, so it has the switch link. I think it's switch bike five inches. I don't know if that's true. I've heard that it was called it was super bike. Well, but regardless, that's dumb. So let's ignore that. That can't be real. <laughs> but I, I like the other one better because the old bikes were ASRs, which is okay. something, something, something. But like those were, yeah. But like, I think it stood for always fucking broke. Uh, always super ragged. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Anyways, according to Yeti, SB stands for super bike. 
Okay. Oh God, that's terrible. So, we can't allow that. We're gonna ignore that. I can't remember the travel, the rear travel on a six. It's six inches. All right, so SB SB five is roughly a five inch bike, twenty seven five. Five inch, twenty seven five, Fox, and can also do plus Fox right. thirty six in the front accommodates two eights. It comes with two sixes and a Fox thirty six. Well, that's new for twenty. A Fox thirty six at what travel? One forty fifty. Oh, one fifty. So it's a one fifty one twenty seven bike. Yep. Yep. And interesting. Okay. Okay. That's a pretty consistent thing across Yeti's line for now is plus twenty. You know, rear to front. I mean, plus what I what I've seen personally is I really like that roughly plus 20 deal plus 20 plus 30 even um i've been really liking that but anyway go on so the sb6 is now six inches rear or always six inches rear it's now is specced with 170 front out of the box jesus but but it has a a smaller offset fork now i think it's 37 instead of 42 or whatever standard for 27.5 um so they've shortened the offset on the six and specced it with 170 out of the box and then you click over to the 29 wheel stuff. We have SB100. Oh, sorry. And both of those bikes are bottles under the down tube. No bottle in inside the yeah. front triangle. The bottle is okay. not inside of the front triangle. And then we go okay. to the 29 lineup and we have SB100, which is 120 front, 100 rear. Um, that's aimed at being a cross-country bike. So it's reduced offset Fox 34. Step Does cast. it only come that way? So it's the 44 or 42, whatever offset... Uh... 29er yep. Fox 34 or step cast. Yep. And and it is 120, right? Like they don't have other, they nope. don't have like a hundred mil like nope. option or anything. Nope. Okay. Hundred in the, or 120 in the front, 100 in the rear. So that is the raciest bike that they make besides hardtails. That, no, there is nothing without rear suspension in their lineup. Ooh, I like that. Um, <laughs> and then we go to SB 130, which is 130 in the rear, 150 in the front Fox 36 with uh, ability to run a coil uh it is progressive enough and it has a enough clearance at the rocker link so that's kind of yeti's stump jumper sure yeah definitely um and that holds the 100 the 130 and the 150 all whole bottles inside the triangle so standard water bottle placement um and then the 150 also has you know, plus 20 in the front. So it's 150 rear, 170 front. And that's called the SB150? Yep. 29 only. There is no plus compatibility garbage in there. It's just standard one wheel size. Uh, super Oh, so did, did none of the 29s have the ability to do 27 plus? Nope. Oh, interesting. Nope. They build bikes for a wheel. Which I don't disagree with because hmm, I, I'm I'm not super sold on the on the plus tire thing. I think it's actually starting to go away. You're seeing, I'm seeing less and less on it, uh, less and less of it on the specialized side of things. Not that they're right, but I'm seeing less and less because they pushed it hard and we sold them pretty well. Uh, and people were buying them cause it was something new. It was fun. It was different. Lots of grip, right? Like we've all talked about it, but it's interesting cause they're going away from it. So all the new Levos, for example, their e-bikes, they've gone away from the plus tires. They used to only be plus. Now they're only 29, which is interesting. And then pretty they seem to be leaning a lot harder on the 29 like ability to fit a 26 basically yeah yeah yep. so um sb150 is big bike it is also capable of running a coil um richie rude just swept the last ews race of the year he won every stage in the event altogether um on that bike it has really cool shock mounting hardware that has 
the if you can find a picture of it, great. Uh, so does everything have? Do they have some kind of flippy chip situation? For what? No. Any of their bikes? No bikes have flippy chip. There's no flippy chip. They're like, this is what you get. You wanted this. What about? Do they all have that weird infinity link thing? Yeah. E- every every bike they have has that pretty much. The switch link where there's like the two little stanchions. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. Then what was I going to say about the one? Oh, the rear shock mounting hardware is very unique. Um, it has bearings in it. So what's really cool is not bearings in the sense of it's not a bushing, but like imagine the front shock. Island. Are, they, are they needle bearings? No. Uh, so hear me out. The front shock eyelet points, you know, uh, let's say across the trail like normal. Mm-hmm. And then the rear shock eyelet runs in line with the seat tube. So they've rotated that upwards. Okay. And what that does is there's two little arms that bolt into the rocker link on bearings. And those little arms fold forward and they bolt to the rear shock with a a collet hardware. So it's impossible to sideload it because the rear end can twist from the front end. Interesting. Um, which I don't know if that's necessarily like the full plan, but like if there is any like side loading in the system, like you G it out and get all weird, like because all that pivots, I, I don't understand how you could sideload that shock, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool for sure. Um, and they worked very closely with Fox to ensure that the 150 and the 130 were going to be coil compatible. And then part of that coil compatibility includes the way that hardware works to ensure that you can install a coil have plenty of clearance at the rocker for a coil. Um, you can now change shocks without removing the entire rocker link. Like they've, and they put bottles in the frame. Um, and that's something does, uh, does Olin's fit on it? No one cares because <laughs> Good. Olin's, that is the right, an- that is the right answer. No one said anything about Olin's because I don't think they give two shakes of a lamb's tail about Olin's I'm trying to just not be totally two shakes trashy. of a lamb's, lamb's tail is a <clears throat> unit of time. Well, I think that's how I think that's how long they thought about Olin's. Um, in in case in case everyone in listener land is curious, I'm super bummed on Olin's right now because they're making my life super difficult. Because <laughs> there's bikes that are like stop ride in your shop, and the customer doesn't know what's happening. Or yeah, yeah, I've wasted I've wasted a lot of time, a lot and of time, not, and I haven't, fixed, I haven't even fixed I haven't even fixed it yet. No, fuck that. I haven't even fixed it yet. I've wasted just so much time and just, you know, <laughs> middleman. What do I do? I don't understand. What would you do? Can I ride it? Are you sure you can't ride it? Anyway. That's awful. Super, super bummer. Oh, we may have been over this. I'll just say it again. If anybody out there in listener land is riding a Olin's Air fork, 34 or 36, uh, you're not supposed to ride it. Because the air cap comes off and it shoots you in the eye. You're going to put out your eye. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, continue. That's the That sounds like the lineup. Yep. And it's for Yeti. It's cool. Uh, I don't, and I won't even be apologetic. About what's their, what's the warranty? Uh, till you die. What about like, is it front triangle versus rear triangle? Or is it everything? Right. Is it pivot bearings? I don't think that they're not like Santa so, Cruz. They're not feeding you bearings for life. Um, 
if you break a rear triangle, will they give you a frame or a triangle or whatever they need to do? They or what? They should because they mentioned how they're stepping it up to a lifetime warranty on all the new bikes. Okay. What was their old warranty? Any idea? Like five years? It, it was long enough that your bike was outdated by the time that it was broken out of warranty. That's something that's very unpopular to say, but uh, they were like five or seven. Pivot is seven or something. Uh, Rocky Mountain is eight. Like, And I don't really, necessarily agree. I don't know that lifetime is really proper, if that's really necessary. Like nothing else. There's not a lot of other stuff out there that takes that much abuse, vehicles included. And like, let's, I'll be very honest, like vehicles these days are like, you would have to, you got to try to fucking break a car. And I've done some dumb shit in cars. Like new cars are, are baller. It's incredible. You, I mean, you change the oil like once every five years and <laughs> you maybe put some tires on it, but probably not until they explode on the interstate. And you're like, I don't understand what happened to my tires. You know, maybe put brake pads on it when you hear terrible noises and they just fucking run. Right. And they don't have near lifetime warranties. Right. Like, you know, 60,000, maybe hundred thousand. Um, so anyway, it's just, it's interesting. I don't know what to think about it, but I don't know. I don't necessarily think that lifetime, you know, lifetime warranty is, is where it should be. And what I see too, is that customer that I had this happen at least once, but it felt like it happened more, but a customer digs some old hunk of shit out that's broken and they come into the shop and raise a stink about how this bike has a lifetime warranty. And I'm like, yes, sir, provide me your proof of purchase and I can like help you. And they're like, no, it's a lifetime warranty. And I'm like, with a proof of purchase, like there's, I can't get around that. So you can't get around that. You're not, you're not turning this cracked 97 Tassajara into a new top fuel by saying you're the original owner. If you bring me a receipt, Trek is going to bend over backwards. They're probably going to like frame the fact that you kept a receipt for 21 years and brought it in when your frame finally cracked. Like I, by the way, it's not and, that difficult. Um, and I've got a filing cabinet and it's got like house shit in there. And then like all of my titles for things and every receipt for every gun and bike. That's it. And it would also be like, why would you not keep that shit? And it'd be really simple to just like snap a photo of that and save it to the cloud. Yeah, exactly. Like that's not, there's not much of an excuse these days to not have that. So obviously 20 years ago, that's tough. But even then 20 years ago, if you're in a half-ass organized person, like why would you not keep one of the larger purchases in your life, a record of that? Especially if you realize that you need that receipt to, uh, to get your lifetime warranty. But anyway. Yep. So, and I think that too, like a lot of times, like I, I get it. I'm, I'm in an elite crowd. I think all of us that are in this show and pretty much like, if you look at us, the path, all of us are like elite, like, at this point, I feel like if my crave cracked, I owe I owe no one nothing. You know, like elite like bike industry douchebags. No, just more like even though we're ne not necessarily in that pay bracket, like we're staying on fresh stuff. You know, like we keep our bikes nice, we don't keep them that long. Like three to five year warranty. Like honestly, a five year warranty is pretty long. And a three year warranty on a bike that's made to ride at the bike park, like even that is still like pretty good. Like you go to really the way I look at it is if if a company can make a product five percent cheaper or ten percent cheaper because they offer a five year warranty to the original owner, I think that's much better for everybody. Yeah, and and my closing argument, like talking about it, like a truck, like you go to, I don't know, like this is the only one I know. You go to Kibby Tech and you get them to build you a race truck. There's no warranty on the frame if you like send it to the fucking moon and break stuff, like.
they're like, okay, you got too rowdy in your race truck. Buy a new one, you know? It's just amazing to me, honestly, what people expect from a mountain bike. Don't get me wrong. I think we all like to make fun of Niner and, uh, you know, and Yeti for their past bad designs that broke arguably too easily, right? Superfly 100. But at the same time. Superfly 100. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, everybody knows that one. Uh, But at the same time, like, holy shit, you don't know what somebody did to that damn thing. Sure enough, you see, you know, a video of some guy flipping down a mountain, the bike, you know, just rocketing a thousand feet down. And of course it's going to break. Yeah, of course it's going to break, right? Like, come on. I'm, I get a little bummed. I get a little bummed when people get all, uh, they get all indignant about it. Like, I cannot believe that this thing broke. Are you kidding me? You have ridden that thing like, a thousand hours and re- beaten these shit out of it and it weighs three pounds <laughs> <laughs> and no shit it broke it it's just it's insane what some people think and, a bike should be able to do and i said this was gonna, uh, earlier was my last motorsports it's not like a bicycle frame is a disposable part like the cost of a bike frame is uh, like is a disposable part in high-end motorsports yeah I mean, maybe not, but like, if you look at the other disposables that we don't eat up, you know, we don't eat up hundreds of dollars of tires a day at a track day, et cetera, et cetera. Like frames and stuff are like actually pretty cheap, you know, like you can replace the whole bike with brand new top of the line, everything for 11 K like it's pretty easy. I just, I wish people would take a step back and think about it. If you spend, you know, lifetime of a bike, very reasonable is a thousand miles a year for five years. For the for a general avid rider, a lot of people would be five times that. However, thousand miles a year, five years, five thousand miles total. That's five. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's five thousand hours. Five thousand hours of this few pound frame getting the shit knocked out of it, and all the other ancillary parts, of course, that go on it from suspension and droppers and brakes and all that stuff. It's and and people get bummed out when that stuff wears out and that's that's insanity i don't know what people are thinking and i think the problem is is that we as an industry need to stop selling things with that warranty we need to stop like for the longest time that was the leading sales pitch this bike has a lifetime warranty this bike comes with trek red shield you can wear out the cassette and we buy you a new one for free just pay 300 dollars a day like you know that stuff is something that we can we can stop talking about like I very rarely discuss warranty at our shop. And if someone wants to talk about it, I'm like, yeah, it has a warranty. And they're like, how long? And I'm like, uh, like eight years, I think. And I'm like, they don't break. Like they're good. You know, I'd rather just be real with people and talk about, Hey, tell me how much you're going to ride per year. Tell me where you're going to ride, how you're going to ride. And I'm going to tell you roughly how much it's going to cost per year to keep your bike mint. And you can disagree with me all you want, but that's just, it is what it is. And I wish people could be an adult and have that conversation. Oh, speaking of people arguing, a customer told me that those uh, lizard skin shock boots did not hold dirt and we're not going <laughs> to scratch the coating on his forking shock. Oh, oh I God. told him that's okay. so bad. Yeah. My argument would be if, if you just, observe the damn interval that they have. And of course it's going to be wrong because I just make it up because sometimes it's 50 hours for one year fork. And sometimes it's a hundred hours and sometimes it's 200 hours, but I'm just going to tell you from experience every hundred hours, hundred hours, do fucking wiper seals. And if you do that and you do it religiously or Hey, 
after a gigantic mud race, just do it. Your fork will pretty much last forever. Um, I have a Fox 34 with ridiculous miles on it and it runs perfect and it has no Have you done wear. any service to the internals or only lowers? Uh, yeah. Air spring. The air springs come out. I've done nothing to the fit for damper for 5,000 wow. miles and it works perfect. It's a whole lot of miles. So that might be a fluke. I don't know. That's a lot of miles, right? And it's perfect. <laughs> I've done, you know, air spring is probably every, we're going to call it 200 hours. And I do wipers every hundred, if not more often. And it works great. So we still pour motor oil in there. <laughs> no, it's Fox 20. Fox 20 weight in the lowers, regular old Fox wiper seals and uh, slick honey on the air spring. Did you uh did you see that video where Ben oiled his chain while eating Oreos with motor oil? <laughs> no. I'll find it and send it to you. I will say that the the mayhem, I, I had the Fox 34 off my trek, uh the 99, which is gonna be for sale pretty soon officially. Oh, my bike can be for sale now. Yeah. It's legal. It's been long enough. You need a 2018 Trek Fuel EX 9.8 extra large fully stock except for the fact that it's running a pike instead of a uh fox 34 and let me tell you this bike has never been raced on a tuesday uh, <laughs> uh only ridden downhill with a tailwind um never flogged uphill for 12 hours uh, anything like that so uh yeah it's in good shape the shock went back for warranty service about five hours of use ago the dust wipers and the fork were done very recently and the full you haven't even ridden it since i did the wipers and the fork have i have you? okay and the uh what do you call it was done too the uh whole rear end was off the bike for just general like cleaning re-lubricating cleaning loctite and putting it back together dent in the rear wheel and the crank is low miles that's that's for sale college boy does it have does it have all the minnow links yeah, it's had zip ties in it since the date of purchase. Oh, man. You're lucky. Well, and they've never even tried to fall out. Yeah, mine haven't gotten loose. I think that's something from like old Mino Links, but I did work on a new fuel the other day and like half the pivots were falling out. And the guy was like, This bike's brand new and has like eight hours of use on it. And I was like, Huh? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The torque specs right here printed on the bolt. Oh, I wonder how I will say I wonder this. how many Mino Links are on the side of trails in the United States. <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's got to be thousands, thousands. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that if you picked everyone up and you put them in five gallon buckets and you loaded those buckets into my truck, my truck wouldn't drive 60 anymore. That's my speculation. <laughs> that is, that is a lot of minnow links. I was going to say you could probably fill a five gallon bucket full of minnow links that have been lost on the trail. No, nah, I'm, I'm shooting to the moon here. You're just, being an ass now i've lost one so everyone must have lost like a hundred in their life have any other bikes lost as many parts as as minnow links um can you think of anything else that falls off bikes i can i had a bike where you know like a a derailleur hanger is often the uh threading for the through axle yeah so the derailleur hanger on this one brand of bicycle is internally threaded for the through axle and then the hanger has a like a post you know that goes through the frame and then it's externally threaded and you put a nut on so that holds the through axle or sorry holds the dropout 
Fuck. What, which bike are you talking about? Holds the hanger to the dropout, and then the through axle squeezes the rear end together. And this guy had lost that nut on his intense something, primer, sniper, I can't it remember. Matter. And it's all the same bike. The nut had fallen off. So the rear end was splayed out wide open and the derailleur hanger was trying to come out of the frame, but the shifting was perfect and the bike shifted fine because the axle was holding the hanger tight to the end of the hub. So it shifted just how it should. and was like really hard to notice, but like I went to like look at it and like actually like he dropped it off. I checked it in. I looked the bike over and then like I went to work on it and I looked down and I'm like, something's wrong Something is wrong and like then i look at it again i'm like oh fuck that's real bad so anyways yeah that's that's my bike andrea had a fox her fox came from her mayhem continue oh i was just gonna say that the fox was on the trek um nine nine 17 and a half inch which will be officially able to be advertised as for sale um sometime next month I haven't looked at the exact date, so, um, you know, I'm accepting preliminary offers and deposits right now if you'd like to make one. Oh, God, that's a little much. <laughs> but I will say that at about 800 miles on my Pike, on the Mayhem, I did the lower service and my Airspring um, last week did some weird shit. So it's been great. Like, my Pike has been awesome since I got it. Um, and then last Monday I rode it and it felt harsh, like just oddly, just like it was just, just kind of stiff. Like it had too much air in it or something like, I don't know, or like the rebound was a little fast or just, it was just weird. And so the next day I did the thing where you stick a zip tie down the, like behind the wiper seal to let any air out of the lowers and the air side um, the air spring side had a little bit of air, just a little puff, but you know, it's, it's not a huge volume in there. So a little bit of air is going to be noticeable. Um, well, the ride after that, I was like bottoming it out, which normally I have a good bit. Like I have like probably a half inch or so, um, like one to two centimeters of kind of like, Oh shit room. Like, I only bottom it out if I get into, like, an oh shit kind of situation, like, where I cram the front wheel down a thing I shouldn't have, like, tried to roll down or just some kind of stuff like that. But I bottomed it out, like, repeatedly. And so I I went ahead and serviced the fork Thursday morning and took the air spring out, cleaned it out. Everything looked pretty normal. Like, there were no seals out of place. Nothing was scratched. You know, everything looked nice. And uh, I put it back together, and as I was uh, cycling the fork and inflating it, I got to about 40 PSI, and the uh, wiper seal on the air side popped out as I was cycling it. So I called up SRAM, and I told uh, the person on the phone what happened, and he's like, yeah, it sounds like the air spring. I was like, yeah, I thought so too, and just happened to have one in stock. So they're warrantying my air spring, but I was able to grab one out of stock so I could ride my bike on Friday at the Vale Outlier Vertical Challenge. So do you think it's the air spring or is it that lower seal head? I think it was the air spring because I put a different air spring in there and everything was fine. Cool. Like it it was back to normal. And this is just us being very honest again, and it just is what it is. I have seen so 
many rock shocks with problems recently i'm like super bummed on their stuff is it all air spring or is it other stuff all air springs i have had so the number of bikes i have that come in with a blown up dust wiper on the left side like i i stop counting it's it's got to be a hundred yeah that's i mean it was weird because it's just it was it's just dumb it was perfectly normal and then like on like the next like it had a normal ride and then like the next ride it was like something feels weird with my fork i'm gonna go ahead and service it and then it was just like you know i i serviced it and it was like worse so um yeah i don't know what happened it seems fine now that i changed the air spring out but you know and the person i talked to on the phone at sram was just like yeah here's an air spring you know it was no there was no question about it like so i guess they've they've had some issues with it yeah i'm i don't know i'm i'm on a i'm on a <laughs> I'm on a downward trend with me liking rock shocks at the moment. I did go and do, so if I can talk about what I've done um, on Friday. So the Vale outlier is this whole like demo, mostly demo festival. And they also have an enduro and this year. They added in a competition for whoever could do the most laps up the lift and back down um, in one day would get $500 like, top male, top female. So I went on Friday when I knew that the lifts weren't going to be as busy and the trails weren't going to be as busy. And I did 13 laps and, um, there were really no rules in place for this. And there wasn't a lot of information. So like there wasn't like a pre, it wasn't really a race. So there wasn't like a pre-race meeting and the website didn't have a lot of good information on it. It just said, this is at gondola one which was where the whole demo thing was in Vail. And so I had no idea. There's another lift you could take up. Like it was like a mile away on the road or you could like ride down to it and ride that. And apparently the laps on that lift are a lot faster. Just looking at lap times that people were turning. Um, but I did 13 laps. And then today a woman did 13 laps and I have no idea how they're going to break the tie. Like on the results, it just says overall tie. And I have no clue if I won anything or if they're going to make up some rule about how long it took and I won't win or I will win, or they're going to like look at Strava and be like, well, you did 13 laps and you did it on a trail that was longer. So you did more miles in the same amount of time. I, I don't know what's going to happen, which kind of sucks. But um, hopefully I at least win like, I don't know, half prize just so I make up the day of work that I missed. Like that's that's what I'm hoping for at this point. Um, you know, because there's just zero information on how a tie would be broken on the race website. So um, that's really the only interesting thing I've done is air spring service and racing um we had a little i guess the first bad thing that the bad not really bad but like disappointing customer service from quark um mm. i had a power meter so my ibis um haka mx which is a great bike and is for sale at the shop right now um that was my demo bike over the summer it had a praxis crank my quark my road quark would fit on that because it's a three bolt. My road cork is an older three bolt style power meter. That crank is a three bolt crank. Um, so I could mount my power meter on it. I just needed to send it to cork to have it calibrated. So I sent it to them to have it mounted 
and calibrated. They did that and they send it back. It works great. Um, I go to put the stock chain ring back on. So I need to take my cork off, take the three bolts out that mount the cork to the crank, put my chain ring on. Wait, I didn't know there was such thing as a three bolt cork. Oh, yeah. 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 That was the original style. Now oh, they're gee. all like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say they're like really specific now. Okay. Anyway, yeah. go on. Well, and hang tight. The difference is though, like a three bolt crank, if you install a chain ring, you have to send it to core or install a new spider onto a new chassis. You have to send it in to cork for the installation. And mm-hmm. the, the that was with the old or for calibration and whatnot. And with the new stuff, because it's eight T20s instead of three T25s, you just bolt it, torque it, rock it. It's good. Yeah. So they mounted it. They torqued it. They calibrated it, sent it back, and it worked great. So I go to remove the cork, and one of the bolts is all the way stuck. Like, we broke three or four Park T25 um, tools trying to get this off. Luckily, we thought the tools breaking kept the bolt from actually stripping. The bolt looked great. I called up Cork and I told him what was going on. And he's like, yeah, we have a breaker bar. We can, we can take it off. He actually, the person I talked to, I don't remember who it was. Because I'm terrible with names like that. Um, I, he's like, oh, is the bolt stripped? Have you stripped the bolt? And I looked at it and I was like, no, actually the bolt's in great shape. We've just broken four tools on it. It's like, okay. So I paid to have it, to ship it there. Um, and then court calls, uh, one of the days that I'm not there and Matt answers the phone and he talks to them and the tech who attempted to remove the bolt um, told, I guess, like their manager, their service manager there, that the bolt was stripped. Um, they sent it back to me with the stripped bolt, and they sent another BB-30 crank because Matt kind of negotiated that. He, you know, he's like, we just need to get this bike on the floor and sell it. Can you just help us out? So they helped us out by sending a crank that we could put in the bike if I buy a new bottom bracket because it's not compatible with the bottom bracket that's in there now. Um, anyway, so they send a crank. They send me back my cork, still mounted to the Praxis crank, and the bolt is unrecognizable as a T25. Whoever tried to remove it basically just rounded the entire inside out. It looks like a rivet. It doesn't even look like... You can't even look at it with like a flashlight and see what kind of tool you would actually put in there. It's destroyed. And it wasn't like that when I sent it to them. And that's really what makes me mad. Like, I appreciate that they're, like, willing to try and work something out. It's not a perfect solution. But the fact that the tech that worked on it destroyed the bolt and then said that it was stripped when they got it is pretty fucking bullshit. So... um, I guess that's that's the fine line, though, obviously, right? Because, I mean, you can't be upset... Um, if they strip the bolt trying to get it out, right? And if if they just said like, hey, we tried it the best of our ability, we had as much down pressure on it as we could, you know, the bolt just let go internally and it's just not coming out. I'm sorry. But if they say, oh yeah, we tried, it was stripped when you gave it to us. Yeah, that that sucks. Yeah. Like, and, and I, it's like, if they record their phone calls for quality control purposes, 
they can hear me answer the person's question, is the bolt stripped? And like, I was actually a little surprised that the bolt looked really good. I'm like, no, this thing's like, it's pretty good. You got a good chance of getting this thing out. No, you don't. Apparently. <laughs> well, and my big disappointment because I handled all the like back end of this was like, you know, unfortunately we had a, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Cause like, I didn't get undiplomatic with the guy on the phone, but like, Pretty much, he's like the best thing. I, before we got to where we got, where we have a carbon arm set, like a carbon chassis, and then like a Praxis crank with a cork on it, still, like it was like, well, we can just do out of warranty replacement, and it's essentially what EP is. Um, and sorry, not sorry. And it was like, no, like there's no warranty issue. You put the two pieces together. Now the two pieces don't come apart. I don't get the, how this is my problem. Yeah, exactly. And it it still is our problem, and it's kind of frustrating. But like, I have some other solutions in mind, so we're gonna work towards those tomorrow. But um, yeah, just kind of you know, it's a it's a real bummer because like I don't. I'm happy. I'm happy to weld some stuff to some stuff. <laughs> well, I think the honest and best solution is to weld a tool to that bolt. To oh yeah. Out. Hundred percent. Not even scared. Um, I'm pretty sure that would fry all the electronics <laughs> in that cork. But the bolt would come out. <laughs> remember that ECU on the Daewoo? Yeah, I do remember that. That uh, that that melted. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so it turns out, for all you folks out there, if you weld on your car, um. It's better to leave all of your grounds intact and not remove your grounds to try to save things because then current flows through places that it was not designed to ever flow through and things catch on fire. Yeah. Oops. Oops. That was a that was a fun one. Yeah, I'm just disappointed because Quark is always like, I mean, we've always talked really good about them. Like they have really they've in the past had really great customer service. And I feel like this is not along the same lines as what we've experienced in the past. So it's very disappointing. It's almost like you listened to my phone conversation that I had with that gentleman. I didn't. That's verbatim. <laughs> like that is what I said. <laughs> um, so no, I think the best solution is to put the other two bolts back into that crank, sell that crank, and then um, actually just sell everything. And get a, an aluminum Praxis crank set to put that bike back to stock. And then Andrea just, you know. She, I'll sell that, that cork crank set too because. You I, didn't I listen to what. You didn't let me finish. Sell everything that just came back. And then the next time you need a road power meter, you just have to buy a new one. Yeah. It's so, really disappointing. That's that. Uh, well, Kenny, anything? Well. Anything from you? Anything, anything I've been doing? No, I've just been riding my bike. I like my bike. I did play with my bottom pivot before I rode this morning and popped some stuff out, greased some stuff, and it still creaks like a son of a bitch. So need to figure that one out. I don't know. Um, at this point, I think it's either my headset or my fork crown separating. I'm not sure. So we'll see. But other than that, I still really like my bike. Had a lot of fun. Rode Park City. One of the last days probably of the year to ride it. So I try to ride Park City as much as I possibly can. But yeah, I had a really good time. 
Um, no new goodies or parts or anything. I don't think just kind of business and riding as usual. Well, good. That's all. That's all I got. Yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else we need to talk about? We don't have questions, uh, do, really. We don't have questions. Oh, damn. Not really. Oh, shit. That's weird. All right. Shut it down. Cool. This has been the 28th episode of Just Run Along in the year 2018 on Mountain Bike Radio. See, I just try to put that together. Burlap sack of vaginas. Yeah, something like that. Uh, cool. Thanks for listening. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say for the day was... We have a lot of people that listen and we have a lot of people that send in a lot of really polite and kind things. And I can't appreciate that stuff enough. Um, We have a lot of shitheads that tune in and they (laughs) like to, you know, say that they're upset. And I can understand it sometimes. There's been times that I've said things that were totally inappropriate and it upset someone and I apologize and Uh, I'm glad I was called on those times. And then there's been times that people just didn't like the fact that this is our party and we party how we want to. And they didn't come to the party they wanted and they feel like it's an us problem. Well, I mean, I appreciate everyone that enjoys the party that we do. And I appreciate everyone that sends those kind words. And I appreciate everyone that listens because we wouldn't do this and take the time out of our weeks if it wasn't something that we enjoyed. But we wouldn't enjoy it if no one else told us they liked it. And then I really enjoy that some people listen just so they can dislike us. No. Well, what I mean is like, I think that people love to hate us. Like there's some people that love us. There's some people that love to hate us. And then there's some people that just pop in and they're like, I want to destroy you. And I'm like, well, you haven't seen my final form. So yeah, (laughs) you haven't seen my final form. (laughs) Yeah. What does that even mean? (laughs) That's a Dragon Ball Z reference. Yeah. I was going to say, this isn't Dragon Ball Z. It's also a, you know, a methed out chicken nugget thing. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that Dragon Ball Z came first. Um, well, yeah, but she was she was pretty. That that was a, a good a good quote for sure. I bet she was crazy before Dragon Ball Z appeared. And I bet that video <laughs> was dubbed over. <laughs> I'm just gonna go no. on. Everything on the internet is true. You no, that was hundred. That was hundred percent real. So yeah. And things on the internet are more real. If it's a picture with text on it, then that means it's definitely got research behind it and you should listen to it. Dude, definitely don't don't insert any politically charged comment here because you <laughs> saw it on the internet. Oh, uh, shit. Um, so, yeah, I, I really mean that. I, I thank each and every listener. We had listeners in the shop this week and we had people come by and say hi all the time. We have people send emails and people that, you know, reach out, whether it be through Twitter or Facebook. And I I really appreciate all that. And I think that it is something that we definitely do it almost out of habit at this point, I would say that we record shows, but also it's a, it's a something that we do out of passion. So it's great that people enjoy it, and I appreciate everyone that lets us know that because it means a lot. So, thank you all. And with that, that's the end of the show. We take you to market to sell, Now you can afford the bike that you want, the job at the mall ain't pay you enough. Now she getting rough. You're thinking that you need to sell all your stuff when it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new head before you get a bike Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better Maybe then you make a cheddar instead of looking like a lame ass And if you get confused, you can ask J-R-A
get hip to the name Cause they be the realest if you sucker is lame It is a shame But that's why you listen to J-R-A They teach you way And they can explain why Jelly beans